Hello and welcome to the UK Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Sally Hanford, and today I'm talking to Marcin Stokursky, an up-and-coming dressage rider based in Leicestershire. Marcin, welcome. Can you tell us a bit about yourself to start off with? So, um, my name is Martin. Um, I'm 36 years old. Um, I've got my yard in Leicestershire, in Widmerpool. Uh, All together, we've got 27 horses on the yard. Um, I own eight of them. Um, part on <laughs> eight of them. Um, we've got some, we started breeding program this year as well. So we're waiting for four falls uh, oh, wow. to be born. Um, and uh, I started doing dressage a few years ago and really got me into it. And I've ridden up to like pre-St. George level um, and I've got uh, my pre-St. George main fall now. Um, so yeah, pretty much live live with horses all the time. Um, don't really do days off because I just like being around them. What kind of horses do you have? Uh, so most of my horses are Wombloods. Um, so they're Dutch Wombloods. We've got some German horses as well. Uh, but we need the Wombload for them to move, really. Um, is the criteria, not criteria, but um, everyone to get to the top, you need to get the best help help from the horse you can. You tend to see mainly warm bloods at the top of the game, do you? Yes, yeah, most of the time. Um, there is a few odd ones um, that people train them and they still will do the Grand Prix, but obviously they're not going to get picked for Olympics um, because the competition from all over the world is mm. so big. It's quite interesting that you see the sort of high school horses in Spain, in the yes. fighting school, but you don't see those horses in in the dressage arena. No, you no, you why? don't. Um, I th- it's, it's because the the movement of those horses, they they move really high, but they don't cover ground as much. So they can use the PF passage and all those movements when they have to lift the legs up on a spot. They will find that really easy. But anything else like the extensions they they don't go with the ground so again in a in a competition sport or against the wombats they're not going to achieve the scores that um that the wombats would do mm. when you say you put your um pre-saint george mare in fold did, was that um did was that a decision because you wanted another horse was she older or she's she uh, she's 13 years old so she's mm-hmm. not old um she wasn't she didn't have any injury she just started getting a little bit like sour she's never had a time of in her life really so we thought while she's still 13 let's give her a year out and have a fallout of her because she's very well bred uh, and we put her to a very well bred stallion and we thought let's see what, what happens and if she breeds something very nice then i'll keep her as a broodmare if she doesn't i'll bring her back into work <laughs> um right uh, what we decided to do on this is to sort of ask the same questions of people. So my first question is, um, what was your first experience with a horse, if you can remember that? How old were so you? So I can remember. I was probably about five years old, um, and there was a horse who came to our house with the, with the cart and brought the wood for the fire. And that was the first experience with the horses. Um, I was petrified of the horse. <laughs> but uh, it was like, that kind of was the first, like, of and then, then I was nagging my parents to like, can I go to riding school? And uh, and they were just basically like, no, no, you're too young for this. So I then never really had a, 
another experience with horses until I was 10 years old. And um, I went to a riding school with my brother um, and his friends. And that day when we were to tack up horses and they didn't have ponies in that riding school. So all the horses were like 16 plus. <laughs> and uh, so I was, I was petrified. <laughs> but started getting into it and never ever looked back, never stopped. Um, and that was kind of the first experience and just stuck with it. <laughs> Um, so your first horse and learning to ride, I think you've touched on that with the uh, with the riding lessons with the huge horses yeah. when you were only 10, they look rather large. Um, so what was what was um, your your first horse, you, the first horse you, you owned? So the first horse I owned, um, I was, I like, my parents never bought me a horse. They said, you can have a horse when you, when you can earn the money to buy it. Uh, so I was really saving up, and the first horse I bought was a gelding. Uh, it was a two years old gelding, colored, was blue and white. And um, I got him very cheap from, I used to work a little bit on a film sets. Um, so there was, a, there was a guy there who brought that horse, and he said, I don't really want the two year old. So he said, if you want it, you can, you can have it cheap. So I bought him and I had him for about seven months and I could not afford to keep him. Oh, no. So I had to sell him. So I, I sold him and then basically carry on working with horses and trying to save more money so I can then earn the money to keep the horse, not only buy the horse. How, because uh, what, it's easy to buy, <laughs> yes, it's not exactly. easy to keep. Uh, what was that horse's name? Uh, his name was Blue. Blue. Yeah, his name was Blue. Did you make a profit? Uh, I've made I've made a little bit of profit, but that was hardly anything if you, if you added the costs of keeping them in between yeah. time. Um, so I was going to ask you about your career, your competition career. But before that, I'm just going to ask you. You say you worked with horses. What what sort of area did you so work? So I worked with anything. So to start with, I started in a riding school. And basically, it was just grooming there and doing a little bit like lead rein lessons. And then when I learned a little bit more, I started teaching like the basics, walk and trot and just steering on horses. Um, and then after that, uh, after that, we moved to a yard uh, which we used to have the horses on it, sending to films and stuff. So it was more like a trick riding. Uh, yard um, and it was it was great fun it was great fun the horses all the horses the the owner of the yard had they were all rescued so they all came from slaughterhouses from people like they, they the horses injured the person and they said oh it needs to be shot basically so he was rescuing those horses and making them to to work with him and do all the stuff like going to the fire and and the horses just basically trusted the guy and they done anything for him did you learn any tricks there we i did i did um, a little bit like i could teach the horse to like to, to bow can teach the horse to lie down and um, to sit and it was interesting i haven't done it on my horses because they're a little bit too sharp for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah they may might take a dim view of being yes. asked to perform tricks yeah. <laughs> um so in your competition career you, you say you're a dressage rider what were 
where do you compete and what? So I've been com competing only in this country in dressage because I only picked up dressage about four years ago, four and a half years ago, um, because I had a really bad back, and so I had to stop jumping and um, and stop doing the cross country, which I did only a little bit. <laughs> and um, so I started I started doing dressage on a, on like not my horse, but I was like if someone wanted the horse to go and do a test and I learned most of my the dressage movements from just watching the riders so I didn't really have lessons as much as I would like at that time um, but I was just so it's like I need to learn those movements and just by watching YouTube videos of people um, was trying to get into like how how do they put the leg on how do they move the horse's head and how do they teach them? And and by making mistakes, we we kind of got there and and basically pretty much tr like trained myself to to teach the horses all the wow. little bit higher movements. So were there any particular riders that you watched on? So I really uh, I always I really like Isabel Werth how she rides. She's a German uh, rider. Um, she I really like how her horses go. The horses. All the horses are really supple. She's got long reins on them, and they still perform um, really, really well. Obviously, she's a queen of dressage, <laughs> um, and obviously, Carl Hester. Um, he's he's uh, really good, and and I really like how he how he rides and how he performs and how he trains the horses and how he treats them. Um, because he still lets them be horses, yeah. and I think that's that's where lots of people like say the horse is expensive. I'm not gonna turn the horse out. Mm. On the end of the day, you're taking the life away from them. They're not really not fair, they're not it? designed to be in the stables. Yeah. They still need to go out and they still need to have fun. Yeah. Um. So you say you were you had riding lessons when you were ten, but did did you say you haven't had any other lessons since then? I had I had like odd, odd one with like but mostly it was like from friends who rode a little bit at a little bit higher level than me but proper proper lessons I started having when I came to UK uh, with proper trainers um, and that only been not as often as I would like because obviously it's, again it's the cost of training the horses and going for the lessons and keeping the horse and obviously is getting the chance as soon as someone said, oh, there's so-and-so having a lesson teaching then there, have you got any money? Then, yeah, I can give you my horse, or people paid for my lessons, like friends tried to help me out. That's really good. Which was... Uh, which was sponsors. Yeah, it's, it's kind of... They were they were trying to help me out, and, and you know, I'm, I'm very glad they did, because it just kind of kept me on a... Mm. Keep who me inspired. You, who would you recommend of trainers that you've had? So I have lessons with Andrew Fletcher, which is great. Um, he's, he's a local trainer. Um, I train uh, regularly now with Emma Woolley. Um, she is based at Kiso at the moment. Um, and I had uh, lessons with uh, Nikki Barker as well. She's, she's great. She lives in, she's from Newmarket. Um, and kind of, I like... I like to have lessons with different people because you pick what works for you from each of them. 
where sometimes you if you stick with one person then if if they kind of haven't haven't got the feel for that horse particular mm -hmm. horse then you, you you will get stuck for a bit where mm -hmm. i think people everyone has got different eye for different things and together with all the other riders we could kind of unlock the horse and mm. and make it make the training go better yeah that's an interesting concept the un unlocking the potential really isn't absolutely it? it's yeah there, but it's just how to, to get, bring it it's out. just what bring out and i don't i don't believe in 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 forcing the horse to do stuff i always say the horse has got a job for anything see so the horses don't want to jump or they don't want to do the dressage they there's always another job for a horse there's no point forcing them if they haven't got a heart for it, they're not going to do it. They're only going to break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I then wanted to ask you to tell us about your horses. Did you say you have five? So altogether we've got eight. <laughs> about their personality level of training and, and, their, and your hopes for them. So you don't have to tell us about all eight. But yeah. So <laughs> I think the, 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 the special most. one is the um, six-year-old we have. Um, I own part of him. Uh, together with uh, Steve Turner and Greg Haig. And we bought him as a three-year-old. He was just backed. And when we went to see him, I didn't even ride him um, because by the time um, the, uh, Emma rode him for, for us to show him off, he was too tired to, for me to ride oh. him. So, so I really liked him and I, I, I loved his temperament. He's, he's very, very cheeky. Um, he's like a child which hates being locked up and he always wants to do something. So if you ignore him, he will kick the door. He bites a lot, he just grabs you, his, his lips just basically never stop moving. He always wants something, he really loves the attention. If you're with him and you're scratching him, he's happy. If you leave him alone, he will kick the door until he gets the attention. <laughs> what is he called? He's called Vito. Uh, he's he's very very special horse to me. Uh, he's very trainable. Um, we had some up and downs with him. With his um, a, a little bit of he was accident prone when he was younger, so he he managed to choke on a bit of hard feet, and um, he then decided to like we basically we could not get hit, get the choke to go, so we had to get a vet out. Um, he got some food into his lungs, so he got pneumonia. So he was basically at the vets for two weeks and he was really poorly. Mm. But Vito being Vito, as soon as he felt a little bit better, he started kicking off at the vets and he's like, I want to get back home. <laughs> so we got him home and he was on another two weeks on antibiotics and everything cleared and Vito was back to, back to him being himself and he's... It's one of those horses that you can give him a month off and you can hop on him and it's just like you left him. That is so nice. Um, he's, he's always, in, and the plan for him is to hopefully get him up to Grand Prix. Um, he's got all the talent and he loves training. He just loves his work. You can teach him anything. His brain is just so engaged that he, uh, he just loves to learn new things. So. He's six years old and he pretty much starting working towards advanced medium oh, because he just finds mm. if you keep him at the same level for too long, he gets bored. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You bought him off Emma Woolley? Yes, yeah. Mm. Bought him off Emma. Emma um, got him from Holland 
and she brought him in, and then basically he was backed. He was lightly backed when we got him. He was basically the dwarf trotting canter. <laughs> Sounds like a proper character. He is. <laughs> and he's a big boy as well. He's about 17'3". Ooh, that's so, large. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, is there a horse that stands out in your life? And can you tell tell us about them? That It sounds as though that might be Vito. I think it is Vito. <laughs> yeah. And I was actually um, I was actually thinking about that question. And the, we had lots of horses in lots of horses in my life. Um, but he, he is the special one. He is the one who I think... I hope it's going to get me to the top. <laughs> we'll we'll be watching out for your name. <coughs> um, I then was going to ask you whether there was a horse that you would like to ride. I think, obviously, you know, the, the one everyone wants to ride who does dress as she's Vallegro. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, is there a trainer you'd like to train with? Oh, there's, there's definitely Carl Hester. I would love to have a lesson with Carl Hester. Um, and there is, obviously, like, which is probably never going to happen, is Isabel Worth. <laughs> Because that's that would be basically a dream come true. <laughs> um, what's your greatest equestrian achievement? So I think um, I think the the, the greatest achievement uh, I guess is probably gonna be having my own yard, and because I always want to do that, and it's so difficult to find a nice yard to, to rent, um, and they just don't come up um, because if somebody's got it, they just keep hold of them. And when I managed to find um, to find the yard um, in Widmerpool, um it was it was it was very a very funny feeling because when um, I passed that yard many many times on the way, and I was like, oh, this would be amazing to have this place, but I was like, it's just never gonna happen. And then one day I got a phone call from the girl who uh, used to uh, have a livery on that yard. And she said that she's thinking of moving to Yorkshire and um, someone recommended me to her to get in touch and I might be interested in taking over. <laughs> so I was just like, this is just dream come true. So um, I said, yes, <laughs> absolutely. So she, she asked me if I can come and work for her, like even part time for a bit to get to know the horses and deliveries. So I will be taking over the whole business. And um, so I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I moved, uh, I was living with my sister at that time on, uh, uh, in North Nottinghamshire. And, um, and then we, uh, so I moved, moved down here and just, just uh, rented a, a log cabin um, in a local village. And, uh, and then basically was going to work every day, getting out to people. And then one day, basically, she said, okay, I'm off. So since then we expanded the yard, um, so we had 18 stables at the time, and then we ex expanded now, we've got 27 stables. So we had another barn put uh, top with more stables, and we full, and we always got waiting list. <laughs> How long have you been? Been uh, four and a half years now, nearly five years. Um, I never look back, it's just gone like so quickly. Um, but he's just trying to improve and improve and improve all the time. Because it's quite um, a horsey area. There are a lot of yeah. There's yards yeah. everywhere. You look left and right and, and yards everywhere. But um, lots of people come. Like I've never, I've never had to advertise for a livery space. Um, people just, just turn up on a, on a doorstep and just ask you if you've got any yeah. spaces. And, and it's great to have that kind of um, 
trusting people that you know on the end of the day they're the babies <laughs> and you're looking after um, the little precious babies but um, I love it I absolutely love it I, I go to work seven days a week uh, I don't really want to go on holidays because I miss the horses too much. Oh, wow. I was going to say what's your favourite thing to do with horses, but it sounds as though... It's everything. It's, it's just being around them. That's mm. that's my favourite thing. I think the horses... I, I haven't met a bad horse yet. There's always... Uh, if there is an issue with the horse, it's, it's brought up by something. Mm. And, and I think I, I really um, get into a psychology of... Of trying to work out what what caused the horse to be like that. They don't they don't need friends. They've got friends. They've got the horses. They need to they need to have you as, as the leader. So when you when you manage to get that relationship, most of the problems go away. Do you do much groundwork with your horses? I do lots of groundwork. I do lots of groundwork. I do some people if they see me they will say that I'm a freak because I'm 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 having flags around them, plastics around them and and yeah, the first the first time they see a big orange flag, they just want to run for their lives. But after like five minutes of working with them and saying this is not gonna kill you, they just accept it. Obviously, there's some horses which is everything's gone a bit far back, and and you can't you can't solve the the, the issues, but you can make it better. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming on the show.